Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time for the best of the Joe Show, where we run back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I'm Dan Day. Go ahead and give me a follow at Dan Day Radio. Let me give you the lineup real quick. That happens every single weekday here at 560 The Joe WQAM. We start your day with a cup of Joe from 6 to 10 a.m. It's The Joe Rose Show. Then from 10 to 1, The Dan Levitard Show. 1-3, Stephen A. Smith. Then from 3 to 6, Hawk and Crowder. 6 to 7, you're listening to it right now. The best of The Joe Show. What you're listening to exactly right now, some headlines. Last night, my New Orleans Saints defeated the Texans 30-28 on a last-second field goal, and Oakland edged Denver 24-16. The Dolphins play Sunday in Miami against New England. The Marlins lost to the Brewers 8-3 yesterday. The two play tonight, first pitch 7-10. After criticizing Kane's quarterback, Jaron Williams, after a week one loss, offensive coordinator Dan Enos said he is happy with the QB's play after the team's loss to North Carolina. Miami plays Bethune-Cookman Saturday at 4 Listen to it here on 560 The Joe WQAM. Dwayne Wade plans to work out with former teammate LeBron James, but was quick to mention that he is retired. As for now, the Heat start their season October 23rd here in the 305 versus Memphis. LSU's coach Ed Ogeron claims that this past weekend, the visitors' locker room did not have the benefit of air conditioning when his Tigers took on the Longhorns. This did not seem to affect the team as they defeated the University of Texas in Austin 45-38. The U.S. men's national team plays Uruguay in St. Louis tonight at 8. Christian Pulisic will not play for the U.S. due to his obligations with Chelsea FC. And now, let's take a step into the day spa. A Connecticut woman was recently arrested for drunk driving twice in one day. The real story here is how efficient Connecticut police are. Every time I've been arrested, I sat behind bars for at least a day, but that's my problem. Also, a Virginia neighborhood recently had to round up 14 wandering sheep and goats roaming their streets. Sounds like a redneck man's Shangri-La. Now on to weather brought to you by Hylia Park. Tonight's forecast, mostly clear with temperatures around 90. For the best poker promotions in South Florida, visit Hialeah Park Poker Room. Come win your share of $350,000 in monthly high-hand giveaways. That's more than $10,000 a day in high hands. Why play anywhere else? Visit HialeahPark.com for more info. Dan Lebetard, legend in the game, talking with the Miami Herald's legendary Greg Cody. They do a little edition of Back in My Day. They also take it to the polls, and there's the grid of death. It is time for Greg Cody's Back in My Day. And now, it is time to take a trip down memory lane. Here's your guy, Greg Cody, with Back in My Day. Jukeboxes. So, prior to the Rolling Stones concert in Miami recently, myself and the two boys are elbows on a bar for a little pregame. When Christopher mentions his favorite Stone song is Beast of Burden. 
I mutter, what a bizarre choice, or something like that, and we move on. A minute later, literally out of thin air, over the buzzy din of the place, Beast of Burden starts playing. With honest, childlike innocence, I tip Christopher a goofy grin over what a coincidence that is and offer a fist pump that he ignores. Dad, I just played it on my phone from an app, he says with a look of unhidden disdain. I didn't even know that joint had a jukes box, and it doesn't, at least not one of my definition. A jukes bo- jukebox to me is an old Wurlitzer with a neon front, curved glass, and stacks of 45s awaiting that magic needle when one inserts a quarter. Or, as Chuck Berry sang, when you drop the coin right into the slot. Now, with a tear in his eye, the ghost of Chuck Berry would be singing about when you click on an app for a jukebox that's not. The jukebox of my imagination is a glowing beacon in that far corner of a honky-tonk. And you pad across a sawdust floor to get there, the change in your palm empowering you to hold sway over the whole place with music of your choice. I wonder if he'll play B-15. The so-called jukebox that Christopher summoned with a smartphone app with a small rectangle on a wall, the music emanating not from a vintage 45, but from God knows where. I had not realized before this that the romantic jukebox of my youth, the magic machine that introduced so many millions to music, had joined the sad parade of the past sacrificed to technology. Christopher told me that app technology even allows you to pay extra to skip ahead, to cut in line ahead of others who paid before you. A perfect example of how entitled sloth-like millennials don't want to earn. Folks, do like me the next time you want to hear music, but the only choice is one of those fake wall things. Stand up and protest. Go to your app and pay enough so that the song Wurlitzer Prize by Whalen and Willie plays on a continuous loop while you grin like a mule eating briars. I'm Greg Cody, and that's yeah. how it was back in my day. So He's good. been using grinning like a mule eating briars for 20 years. Yeah. 20 years he's been using that. Wurlitzer, though. The Wurlitzer Prize. Whalen and Willie, look it up. I used to say donkey eating briars, by the way, but I looked it up, and, and it's actually mule eating briars is the proper phrase. At Lebetard Show is how you vote on the twitter polls today we will have the grim reaper come through here in a second for greg cody from the bucket of death but first let's update the polls at levitard show on twitter can that game be won dramatically by someone named will lutz can that game the game played last night that game someone named will lutz is the decider can that be the thing that happened 54 percent of the audience said no would you ever want cat food on your face Greg had cat food on his face earlier today. 90, a lot of it. Uh, yes, and on his clothes. 97% of the audience said no. Should Greg Cody be allowed to wear a clothespin on his nose when cat food is smeared on his face? 72% of the audience said no. Oh, wow. Have you or any of your coworkers ever bought a clothespin to work? That was crazy. Uh, Bruce had one. I, it's unbelievable. <laughs> How could Bruce have a clothespin? What would? What was he doing with a clothespin? Uh, Bruce. Ninety-one percent of the audience said no. Those are the polls, Dad. So you can see if you're watching on ESPN News that the Grim Reaper is hovering over. Greg Cody. Greg Cody did smell like cat food for a long time because he had to smear that on his face. One of the most disgusting things we've ever done around here. Who else lost? Was it just you and me? This uh, Billy, was it me and you? Were we the only losers uh, la- last week? Yeah. 
<laughs> what did you select as your punishment? I'm just kind of dragging that out. He really is. <laughs> he, really, he really is dragging it out. Have you selected anything? Yeah, I selected, uh, what's the name of that the character? Darth Maul. He has to dress up as a villain from Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Oh, nice. Um, uh, the Grim Reaper is here now, and now it is Greg Cody's time to pick from the bucket of death. The way this works is basically he will pick a helmet. He's got one chance to throw it back. Otherwise, that team will represent him, and if he loses, he has to go to the grid of death to do something like put cat food on his face. You are ready, Greg Cody. I am ready. By the way, at my advancing age, uh, this is looking a little too eerily metaphorical for me, (laughs) the the guy over my left shoulder. Oh. Bear, the Bears. Chicago Bears are playing at Denver. They're a two-point favorite on the road. Oh, God. I mean, There's nothing good in that bucket. I'm I'm take no, there is. It's the Patriots. And that's <laughs> it. That's the only thing. He's putting it back. One. Apparently, he's too afraid of Joe Flacco. Oh, please get the Dolphins. I I please get the Dolphins. Oh, man. Yes, get the Dolphins. Get the Dolphins. What's that mean? Oh, there's oh, riding that's that, One of the few Uh-oh. holdovers with Lee riding Corso on it. Corso helmet. Lee so Corso you get helmet. whatever Lee Corso headgear, whatever headgear he puts on his head in terms of a prediction for the next game that he's at. Love it. That is your team. I Love it. I think you're in good shape here. I think it's Syracuse and Clemson. No, no. Syracuse lost by – they put up – Maryland put up 63 I, points. They're not going to Syracuse. They're going to Ames, Iowa. Iowa versus Iowa State. Oh, Hawkeye Kurt, on my head. Kurt Ferentz. Why are you muttering Kurt Ferentz? Uh, it's just day. this coach. He, you know, he starts 4-0 every year, and everyone talks about how he's some great coach, the best coach in college football. He'd be a great NFL coach, and then he ends up losing seven straight. So, Greg Cody of the Miami Herald, how do you feel? Uh, it's better than having an NFL team this weekend. Outside of the Patriots, everything in there is bad. You're scared of everything. I'm happy to get the the Lee Corso head. Lee ha- Corso's a Miami guy, man. Straight up. Didn't you have Respect. a? Ter- speaking of straight up, didn't you have a terrible gambling uh, week addiction? this week? Uh, um, <laughs> not addiction. Uh, no, not a terrible gamble. <laughs> weren't you terrible in terms of predictions? This yeah, week? I haven't. I've been too scared to fill, uh, figure out my ATS uh, results. So we're going to assume <laughs> it's better than it is. I've been there where you just don't want to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, you don't want to know. He is 8, 7, and uh, 1 uh, picking straight up. He's scared right. to look at uh, his uh, against the odds Happy stuff. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. He's 65 years old. Happy birthday, dear Gregory, Gregory, Gregory. 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 Let's Gregory. do it again. Yeah, Happy birthday, dear Gregory. Happy birthday to There you have it, Dan Lebetard and Greg Cody, getting you excited about Miami sports. Yeah, yeah, need to sometimes, just a little bit. Speaking of getting excited, up next, we're going to hear about the very excited Stephen A. Smith. I think he wakes up in the morning just, yeah, it's going to be a fun one. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Best of the Joe Show. This is the Best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. In just a minute, going to get to Stephen A. Smith. Got some big birthdays today. Arnold Palmer in 1929 was born on this day. And some music. Music birthdays. Love them. Joe Perry, Aerosmith, 69 years old. Big Daddy Kane. You know who that is. 
rapper, 51, and Mikey Way of My Chemical Romance, 39 years old. So happy birthday to those guys. It's always a happy day when Stephen A. Smith jumps up on the radio from 1 to 3 here at 560 The Joe. Earlier today, he gave us a Monday Night Football recap. He has some man love for Deshaun Watson, black and gold to the Super Bowl, and disappointed in Denver. Bring Tim Tebow back. When I think about last night's game, couple of games, by the way, I was pretty surprised and happy at what I saw. I didn't expect Houston. I did not expect the Houston Texans to be as competitive as they were. I really, really didn't. Uh, This kid, Deshaun Watson, just continues to amaze me. I mean, when you think about the fact last night was his ninth regular season loss of his career, okay, in his three years in the National Football League. This is a guy that the average margin of losses in those games was four points. Four points. This is what Deshaun Watson does. This is what he's all about. He was a winner at Clemson, and I can't deny that he's a winner in Houston. They may not win a championship, but damn it, it ain't his fault. Because time and time again, when pressed against the wall and asked to rise to the occasion and respond, Deshaun Watson does exactly that. Last night, when all was said and done, he finished 20-30, 268 yards, three touchdowns, was sacked six times. Finished with a 114.3 passer rating. Completed about 66% of his passes. Now, obviously, he wasn't Drew Brees because how many people are Drew Brees? 32 of 43, 370 yards. Drew Brees stepped back in the pocket and based on the pass rush that the Houston Texans didn't have, couldn't touch the quarterback, dropped back in the pocket, called called the wife and kids, told him when he'd be home, asked for what he'd want for dinner and whatever. I mean, he was doing everything. I mean, talk about being in a comfort zone. But this is the kind of stuff that Drew Brees had at his disposal last night. I I didn't expect much from the Houston Texans because, quite frankly, I didn't look at them as that great of a team. I know they're good. Deshaun Watson is a baller. DeAndre Hopkins is one of the top three receivers in the world as far as I'm concerned. Man doesn't drop passes. Didn't drop a single pass last year. Didn't drop a single pass. And had about 115 receptions. Didn't drop a single pass. This dude is something special. And so when you look at it from that perspective, I just say to myself, look, man, you can't ignore what you get from Houston. You got to be surprised because Carlos High and Duke Johnson, or your dual threat at the running back spot, particularly now that Lamar Odom, I'm sorry, Lamar Odom, Lamar Miller is out for the year. You know, he got injured. And so because he had injured and you had to go out there and make a deal and have a running back by committee, these guys play well. I mean, Carlos Hyde had 83 yards on 10 rushes and had a 20-yard run. Duke Johnson rushed for 57 yards on nine carries, had a 32-yard run. You got to give credit where credit is due. Offensively, behind. What do they do? Deshaun Watson, less than a minute left, connects with DeAndre Hopkins. Then after that, connects with newly acquired wide receiver Kenny Stills from the Miami Dolphins. They take a 28-27 lead. Oh, by the way, the damn kicker missed the extra point. But a rough in the kicker penalty was implemented. They got a second crack at it. They made the extra point. They go up. 28-27, they give Drew Brees the football with about 37 seconds left. You need 35 yards. 35 yards to be in position to kick a field goal. What does Drew Brees get in three completions? 35 yards. It's what he does. He's Drew Brees. So when you look at it from that perspective, where it's Michael Thomas, it was Ted Ginn Jr., didn't matter. Drew Brees going to find whoever he needed to find. That's what he does. It would have been nice to see Houston's defense be able to do something. If you remember, last regular season in Philadelphia, Deshaun Watson leads another comeback. 
And all you need is this defense to get a stop, and you preserve the victory, and that is that. They couldn't stop it. They lost that game to the Philadelphia Eagles after Deshaun Watson brought him back. Last night, same for, same thing. Instead of being against Nick Foles, who was with the Eagles at the time, this time it's against Drew Brees. You get the lead, and your defense can't hold. And I got to tell you something right now. I'm not a person that usually looks at somebody like the defensive coordinator and point fingers. I'm thinking everything starts with the head man. That's how I'm looking at it. That's exactly how I'm looking at it. But I got to tell you something right now. Romeo Cornell is the defensive coordinator for the Houston Texans. The man is 72 years old. We all know he wasn't a great head coach in his six complete years in Cleveland and Kansas City. As a head coach, he was 28 and 55. That's a 33% winning percentage. That ain't cutting it. But religiously, he has been ballyhooed and recognized at the very least as a damn good coordinator. I got to tell you something. Starting to wonder. You're in Houston, okay? You are in Houston. You've been a defensive coordinator for quite some time. He was a defensive coordinator in Cleveland in 2000. I'm looking at his resume right here. He was a defensive coordinator in New England, 2001 through 2004. We know he won a couple of Super Bowls there, okay? You go back to being a defensive coordinator in Kansas City before you were the head coach. Then you went back to being a defensive coordinator, and you stayed there until arriving in Houston in 2014. And now you've been in Houston the last five years. Romeo Cornell has been around too long. You need a stop. I know it's Drew Brees that you're going against. You got to figure that out. You got to figure it out. That didn't happen. And as a result, Houston lost. I got New Orleans going to the Super Bowl before the season even began coming out of the NFC. It's not going to be easy. But I'm not betting against Brees in New Orleans. I'm just not. Not this time. Not two years in a row. I don't see that. As for Houston, I will admit this. Deshaun Watson does give you pause, uh, cause to pause. The brother's sensational. He can run with the football. He can pass with the football. He was being examined by doctors throughout the evening because of his back ailments, because he was getting popped silly, got sacked six times, six times, got hit 11 times. New Orleans was all over. No question about it. All true. But I got to tell you something. Despite the fact that they were all over, he kept coming, man. He kept coming. Deshaun Watson got a lot of heart, obviously tremendous skill, And if I'm the Chicago Bears, I'm sick to my stomach. I not only passed on Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, I actually moved up in the draft to get Mitchell Drabitsky. I I don't understand that one. I got to admit it. I really, really do. Deshaun Watson is something special. They got a quarterback in Houston, man. He's only 24 years of age. They got a quarterback in Houston, no doubt about it. And they got some talent, too. I can't underestimate them, but it appears losing to Davion Clowney and ultimately trading him to Seattle is not a plus. J.J. Watt, talk about a no-show last night. Where the hell was he? No sacks, no tackles, no assists. I'm just looking. I don't see anything. I watched some of the game. Didn't see anything. I am wondering. Somebody's got to say it. I mean, it was an Ofra. When is the last time you seen that with J.J. Watt? Humanitarian extraordinaire. Former multiple-time defensive player of the year. We know how big-time he is. I ain't used to seeing that from J.J. Watt. I'm not used to seeing T.J. Watt be more recognizable than his big brother J.J. I'm not used to that. There's a lot of things to address today. No question about it. But I will tell you this. It's one game. Houston should be excited. They really, really should. Because Deshaun Watson and his history and his talent and his heart all show losing ain't going to be a continuous thing as long as he's behind center. I'm telling you that right now. That was just the first game that I wanted to get into. The second game, you could sit up there and easily say that the story of this game was Derek Carr. 
When you look at Derek Carr, you recognize the fact that this is a guy who nobody questions the talent. Nobody questions the arm strength, the accuracy. I mean, you, you know what he can do. He can fling that football now. The question that you had about Derek Carr was whether or not he could be consistent. That's still a question mark. Because last night's game against Denver, it's just one game. But here is where it absolutely positively gets interesting. He was sensational last night. 22 or 26, that's an 84.6% completion percentage. Just 259 yards, a touchdown, not a single interception. A quarterback rating of 121. Had a running back in Josh Jacobs, a rookie out of Alabama. Ran for 85 yards on 23 carries. Had two touchdowns. Look at Tyrell Williams the guy that was supposed to be playing opposite Antonio Brown, and they were supposed to be a dual threat, but now that Antonio Brown supposedly messed things up for the Oakland Raiders, this Tyrell Williams show, he showed up and showed out. Six receptions for 105 yards. Tight end, Darrell Waller, his checkered pass. Some battles that he's had. Hell of a football player. He's just starting tight end. Seven receptions, 70 yards. Got to give credit where credit is due. He was getting open against Denver's defense. Here's the thing for me. I watched Denver, and I got to tell you something. I expected better. And at some point in time, I got to start looking at John Elway. Now, I can't blame it all on Joe Flacco, especially after Deshaun Hamilton dropped that touchdown pass, hit him right in his chest. You're down 14-6. to six, You catch that pass. You go to two-point conversion, score time. I get all of that. But I'm just looking at Joe Flacco, 31, 21 for 31, 268 yards, a touchdown, no interception, sacked three times. Not bad performance. Just wasn't Derek Carr's. And then I'm looking at them. Philip Lindsay can play. He aight, but he ain't going to knock his socks off. I mean, he doesn't move me. Royce Freeman, yeah, he aight. Yeah, aight. This kid, Cortland Sutton, really seemed to develop a rapport with Flacco. Flacco was getting him the ball, seven receptions for 120 yards. Of course, Emmanuel Sanders had five receptions for 86 yards. We all know he can ball. But when you look at Denver, there's just nothing that really, really moves you. Offensively, they're an average ball club. They'll be okay defensively is where you expect big things from them. You got Vic Fangio coaching that team now. This is the man that was the defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears last year, led by Khalil Mack. We all know what he brings to the table. And when you look at Denver, you led by John Von Miller on defense. You got Shelby Harris and Chris Harris out there. Bradley Chubb, you just drafted them high in the first round over a year ago. Derek Wolf can play. Kareem Jackson is there. You just look at them and you just say, wait a minute here. I expected this defense to be better. Why are the Oakland Raiders, of all people, fresh off this, this, this Antonio Brown fiasco, why is Oakland converting seven of eight third downs in the first half en route to their two first scores? How's that happening? Riding the momentum of the crowd? I get it. But I just still found myself expecting more from the Denver Broncos. And the fact that we didn't get more, maybe the time has arrived where we need to start talking about the Denver Broncos just a little bit more because guess what? You won the Super Bowl in 2015 when Vaughn Miller and those boys terrorized Cam Newton in the Super Bowl. Since that time, you haven't even made the playoffs. Three straight years. They've come and gone. They've missed the playoffs. This is with John. And three straight years, you've had trouble finding your quarterback. Drafted Paxson, Lynch, had Case Keenum. Those ain't the only ones. They're just the ones that come to my mind at this particular moment in time. I'm just saying, when you look at the history of quarterbacks for the Denver Broncos, I got to admit, I expected more. I really, really did. I really expected the Denver Broncos defense to be a bit better than what it was. I can't deny it. They got Trevor Simeon, Case Keenum, Joe Flacco. I mean, 
I can't believe I'm clamoring for the days of Tim Tebow for crying out loud. Denver's just not going to be that good. To me, last night, as impressed as I was with Oakland, I viewed the game as a battle of lap for last place in the AFC West because I don't see any of these teams being ahead of Kansas City or the Los Angeles Chargers. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Chargers found a way. Make noise when the game you sit up there, even without Malvin Gordon. Phillip Rivers is still there. Kansas City is no joke, even without Tyreek Hill. Still got Travis Kelsey. Skills got Sammy Watkins. Still got Damian, Damian Williams. And oh, now you got Shady McCoy there too, who looked fresh and young and spry. Just ecstatic to be back with Andy Reid. Why should I expect anything from the Raiders or the Broncos? I just expected the Broncos defense to look a little better. I expected their offense to be trash. And their defense to be a lot better. Offense is slightly better than that. Defense was considerably worse. Love when Stephen A. Smith is speaking, especially when he says, my Saints are going to the Super Bowl, or hopefully going to the Super Bowl. Originally from New Orleans, what can I say? The only way it could get any better, Saints, Dolphins in the Super Bowl, then I'd have to pick an alliance, and that's something I would like to do. Maybe one day. Not this year, probably, but maybe one day. Speaking of the Dolphins, Channing Crowder. He played linebacker for the Dolphins, even intercepted the great one, the GOAT. That's right. He intercepted Tom Brady one time. We're going to hear from the Hawkman and Crowder show next. This is the Best of the Joe Show. No, it's not Hawkman Hump Day. That's tomorrow, but this is a little taste of Hawkman Hump Day. Hawkman, Crowder, you can hear him afternoons from 3 to 6 right here on 560 The Joe WQAM. And I wanted to give you a little bit of the taste. I know, I know, it's early, but sometimes Christmas comes early. I'm overselling it. Kind of like Hawkman does with everything he talks about. Crowder, he played with the Dolphins, so he knows a thing or two. In this segment, Channing, he does his best Cam Cameron impression. The guys love the O. Bill Belichick gets a little excited. Adam Beasley from the Miami Herald looks ahead to Dolphins Pats. And the Dolphins have players? Let's go! Let's go! I feel like we got rid of the filth, the filth of the the weekend football. Now we look ahead. Move forward. We move forward. That's what athletes get told. Right? So don't look back. Good what, or bad. Look what, forward. What, 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 what would you tell your team? What would you expect? Actually, I got a better question. What would you have heard from your coach after a 59-10 loss to open a season in the NFL? What would you have heard from Cam Cameron? What would you have heard from Nick Saban? Who else did you play for? Tony Sperano? Tony, yeah. What would you have heard from what would you have heard from your Dolphins coaches? We'll start with Cam, because he was goofy as hell. So he would say something like, fellas, weren't ready for that game, but watch this next week. <laughs> so he didn't know what he was doing. Game day, you get cussed out. You get you get torn apart after the game. After oh the game. yeah, yeah. You get torn apart post game. Coaches come in and say that admit their their failures, but also say, Y'all have to take some failure on this too. That you were around those receivers. You could have stopped people. You didn't do it, so you get killed. But then you come in on Monday, and it's kind of what we just said. Guys, we know we underperformed. Now let's make up for it next week. Move forward. Short memory. It's just like play-to-play. If you get beat on a 90-yard touchdown, you have to come back and play defense again. You have to come back and play 15 more games. Don't worry about your failures. Learn from them and move forward. Let's correct all our mistakes moving into week two. That's what all coaches would say.
Really? And you, you w- w- would you buy into that? Well, what else are you going to do, Hawk? Well, I don't well, know. Are you, you going to go know. hide in your closet and let your wife no. deliver chicken soup to no, you? No, but do you have, like, do you think Rashad Jones, let's take Rashad Jones as an example because he played less than 50% of the snaps and that's the worst beating I'm sure he's ever taken as a professional football player. Sure. Um, like, what do you think he's thinking? Uh-oh. He's not going to say it, but you have to be worried. Like, is this is this a f- was that a was that an aberration, <laughs> or is this our team? That's what you'd be thinking. Was that a bad game? Was that a game where the Ravens were more prepared on us on both all three all three phases of the game? They got outplayed. Is that our team, or were we underprepared for game one and we're going to move forward and get better? And that's going to be the sale of the coach. To, to, to this conversation, the coach has to sell. The rookies are just happy to be here. Right. Sam McGuavin, right. he's getting ready for New England. He's just excited to play Tom Brady. He told us when he was on the air, yeah, I want to play Tom Brady. I want to see if I can intercept Tom Brady. Rashad Jones is sitting there saying, this is ugly. I've never been beat like this and probably in my life. Is this what I expect for the next three months, or was that just a bad game? And it's the coach has to convince you we're going to prepare better. Our scheme was not great. Y'all's performance wasn't great. Get back in the lab, get on, get in the weight room, get out on the field, and let's get better. Game two has to be better than game one. I'll tell you this. I would bet money that they're not – they can't lose by 50 to the Patriots. You have to get better from that performance. Would you bet money where the actual line is right now, which is 18 and a half? The Patriots are giving the Dolphins 18 and a half points. Last time I looked, I'm going to look at it right now as we're speaking. I believe in that. You believe in the Dolphins plus 18 and a half? No, I believe the Patriots can oh. beat them by over, eight, over yeah. 18. Not 50, but over 18. Yeah, 18 and a half but is the line right now. The Ravens are a pretty good team. The Patriots are a Super Bowl contender. And now they're at an A-B. And they're going to try to let them show out at home. I'm worried about this Sunday. I don't think it's going to be a 50-point victory. But they're going to put a, put a lot of points on the board. That Steeler defense wasn't garbage. The Patriots made them look like garbage. I'll tell you something. We've seen some good quarterback play in the NFL week one. Like, oh, yeah. I'm watching the game last night. Deshaun Watson is real. Yes. Like, he's real. They had some offensive line breakdowns. I know we were all watching Laramie Tunsil, and he got blown up right at the end where he couldn't afford to. But, man, Deshaun Watson, Drew Brees, we know is great, started out slow, and then all of a sudden, boom, 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 he's doing his thing. Deshaun Watson jumped out at me because you have question marks. It's like, can he do what he did year one? And holy mackerel. And then Dak Prescott was awesome. Patrick Mahomes looked great. I wonder if we're entering this arena where the elite quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, if you believe Phillip Rivers, like if they're starting to get pushed this season by the Dax, the Deshaun Watsons, Lamar Jackson looked like the greatest quarterback you've ever seen. I don't know how much of that is a result of the Dolphins' defense, but Man, you saw some great quarterback play. And the only reason I bring it up, watching Deshaun last night, we talked, I think, a lot the last few years about a lack of quarterback play, yeah. a lack of quarterback talent. It, it was one of the arguments that you would use to keep Ryan Tannehill. Well, there's not much great that's out there. There's a couple elite, and then everybody drops off. And I feel like, from what I saw in week one, there's some climbing elite right now. It'll be very interesting this season. It's a change in other guard. Breeze, Brady, Rogers, the names we've been yelling out for years were on this show. They're getting old. And there was a lack of guys coming behind them, but with Deshaun, with Patrick, I'm still it's crazy. 
<laughs> Don't cuss me out on the text line. I'm still not sold on Lamar Jackson. Well, I, I, I understand that. I mean, but the game one certainly makes you go, <laughs> okay, he learned how to pass. I want to give him props because he did get better from last year, a lot better from last year. And the Dolphins ate that. They were like, hey, he's going to run the ball. They stacked the box. He showed him, I can pass now. It's not. This is 19, Lamar Jackson, not 18, and the Dolphins never adjusted. It so 21 nothing. they didn't believe it. 28 nothing. they didn't believe it. 35 nothing. they didn't believe it. Just kept stacking the box. Hey, <laughs> give these guys some safeties. Hey, let's do a little safety work this, this third quarter, fourth quarter, to slow them down. But also, the, 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 the rules that are being implemented, the pass interference now being reviewable, you can't touch the quarterback, you can't even pinch a damn receiver downfield, I think that's kicking in. And on top of that, just the icing on the cake, defenses are underprepared to play because lack of hitting, lack of physicality with all the CTE stuff. The game is now being, I don't want to say worked in or manipulated like, uh, you know, Illuminati uh, uh, or the damn Machiavelli or whatever that crap is. The, the rules are making it very advantageous for high-scoring games. And if you get a Deshaun Watson, a Patrick Mahomes, a Brady, a Breeze, a Rodgers, I think they're playing right into what the league wants and, honestly, what the fans want. Absolutely. I mean, I love that. I love the end of the game last night. Score, score, score. Yeah. I, I mean, I love that, but I mean, it. But it was fun to. You got to admit, even as a defensive guy, that was fun to watch. Up until you had to have gone mm. crazy when they went into this prevent defense when Drew Brees needed five or six yards to get into field goal range. That's it. They were twenty yards away. I'm not certain what the. I literally do not understand the thinking, and I'm imagining that Houston Sports Radio today is all about that. Who's the defensive coordinator for the uh, for the Texans? Is it Romeo Cornell? Yes, I think it's Romeo Cornell. Well respect. Actually, has my respect as a DC. I mean, it just didn't make any sense. I I like. I understand that you don't want to get burned because there's been this back and forth of long passes, but I don't think New Orleans was trying. To score a touchdown at that point, they really like they were trying to get in the field goal range, and you said to them, "Okay, beat us with a field goal." Like I, I, give I them was ten, confused by that. Give them ten more. Give them ten more. Hey, they're in field goal range. Romeo, uh, what do what do you play? Two linemen rushing, dropping everybody twenty five yards off the ball. They're not trying to get twenty five yard passes. They had enough time. What do you have? Thirty seven seconds. They can go down like he did. Ten, he did. ten, ten, ten. And then the last play, that's what really ate me up. I was upset about the approach by Romeo, but the last play, that was high school. When they look at the defense and then Breeze looks out at the number two receiver and says, hey, and the guy's like waving. I'm like, I'm wide open. Right. He looks at him. Like and they're giving this to us. This wasn't a check or a, a, a schematic thought. This was Breeze and the guy saying, oh, they're going to give us these 10? Okay. I'm going to stop, throw me the ball, I'm going to fall down, call the timeout, and put Will Lutz out here. That's what, The last play upset me the most from my defensive Un, unpopular opinion of football. That upset me. Uh, let's get headlines quickly here from Alejandro Solana. As we get, we have a loaded potato for everybody today. I'm, when I'm telling you a loaded potato, a loaded potato. And we never even played the Don Bailey Jr. calls yesterday because it was a uh, flaccid Monday, and we. <laughs> I don't like it still. We didn't have uh, we didn't have time to get to it. DBJ worked some calls into the uh, to the UNC game. We'll play those today. What do you got in the headlines, Solana?
Carolina. You guys were just talking about it. In the first Monday night football game of the year, the Saints survived a shootout with the Texans on a 58-yard Will Lutz field goal as time expired, giving NOLA the 30-28 win over Houston. Man, our guy Rob Pizzola, professional sports gambler, had the under in that game, and it was under lock all the way, and then 500 points were put up in the last five <laughs> minutes. He was ready to kill himself. He tweeted it. We, uh, we had the Texans, by the way. Remember, yes. we had talked about it on the air. I don't know how much we talked about it, but we ended up after the game, we bet the Texans plus seven. So we had a even uh, even that uh, extra point that was missed by the Texans that would have tied it, we'd have been fine if it had gone to overtime. They ended up having the flag on that, but had it gone to overtime, we were fine because the six was the was the the most you'd be able to get in an overtime. So we were good. Nice nice little uh, nice little run we're on there. What else you got, Solana? After the Raiders handled Denver, despite all the Antonio Brown drama, 24-16 win for Oakland. Somebody texted in, here come the headlines from the weekend. <laughs> He's getting better. Yeah, My man, go ahead. What else you got? The NFL continues this Thursday. The Panthers host the Buccaneers at Bank of America Stadium. Both teams will be looking for their first win after dropping their openers. I can't wait. I can't go two more days without NFL. The games were so much fun on Sunday and last night. I can't wait two more days for more NFL. waited four months. I can't wait anymore. (laughs) Addicted already. I cannot wait. What else? The Dolphins are currently an 18-point underdog ahead of their Week 2 matchup versus Tom Brady, Antonio Brown, and the New England Patriots. Yeah, buddy. And finally, the NBA notified teams that players won't be allowed to wear ninja-style headwear, guys. This season because teams have raised concern over safety issues. I didn't realize that that was a thing. Yeah, they have. They tie Where they it up. Tie the it up Jimmy like, Butler did. Jimmy Butler. He did? Yeah, bunch, I didn't even realize that was a it. thing. I know the problem. They think it'll get longer and longer and longer, and soon bastards are going to have wedding veils hanging from the back of their neck. Well, it would be an easy way to stop someone on a fast break, grab their little ninja <laughs> headband. That's what they Whoa! said. Whoa! Horse collar tackle. They can't regulate the length of the of the dangle and all. That's what they're worried about. Anything else, Solana? That's it. All right. Uh, Adam Beasley, who covers the Dolphins for the Herald, he was on a conference call with Bill Belichick today, Dolphins and Patriots, on Sunday. Here are a couple of the highlights from Adam Beasley's Twitter. Why are you smiling? Because I know Belichick's going to praise him. Belichick uh, began with talking about Brian Flores. He says, Brian was with us a long time, played a lot of different roles, did a great job for us. There you go, Bill. There Thanks. You go. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. Belichick, these are tweets from Adam uh, Adam Beasley. Belichick predictably wants nothing to do with waltzing down memory lane. He brings up the team's poor history in Miami, says the Dolphins, quote, have a lot of good player. I wonder if that's a uh, a mistype by Beasley. Because if Bill Belichick actually said they have a lot of good player, it's the greatest troll of an opposing team in the history of the world. (laughs) I... Can you get Beasley on the phone real quick just to find out if they uh, just tell him tell him that we want to put him on the air, but and, and don't give him don't give him a heads up. I just want to ask him see if you can get him on the phone right now to come on for one minute. You're right. If to that, say that if he said <laughs> the Dolphins have a lot of good player, <laughs> it's the single greatest troll. I think I might become a Belichick fan. If he, on the media conference call the week before a game, said the Dolphins have a lot of good player. <laughs> if he did that intentionally. He won't do it. That's funny as hell. <laughs> he doesn't believe in bulletin board material. I know, but that would be like really low key. Oh, Is gonna, he there? I'm going to use it. I'm going to steal that Hold one. Hold on, because I like to talk to Adam Beasley more at length. You're on the air, Beasley, okay? So don't curse. 
<laughs> okay, hi guys. <laughs> uh, I'm just reading your tweets on the air, and you wrote. Belichick predictably wants nothing to do with waltzing down memory lane, brings up his team's poor history in Miami, says the Dolphins, quote, have a lot of good player. Now, did you mistype? Did he say they have a lot of good players, or did he actually say they have a lot of good player? You called me up to ridicule a typo? Come on, No, I want to know if he actually said that, because if he said it, it's the greatest troll of an opposing team in the history of the NFL. They've got a lot of good player. Because, by the way, he'd be correct in that assessment. They have a lot of good player. (laughs) Xavier Howard, they have a lot of good player. So is that a typo, or did he say that? No, I messed up. Thanks Damn for it. that detention. Damn it! <laughs> you, would, you, would, you, would you like the full quote? Because that was just me kind of going off the cuff. Yes, what's the full quote? Do you have it uh, uh, handy? It, it, it's, it's, it's bad, and I'm, I'm calling it up because it's bad because it's so good. Uh, Miami he's got, is young, no, he's got no shame, right? He's got no shame. None. Miami is young, aggressive, and talented. I'm sure, they'll, I'm sure they'll have things we haven't seen. Every team is different. I can see Miami is trying to utilize the skills of their players on both sides of the ball. And here, guys, is the coup de grace already. Certainly, the Dolphins have a lot of great players to work with there. They have too many that they can't get them all in the, in the game at the same time. <laughs> get out of here. Come on, Bill. Get out of here. <laughs> Give it to him. He they said that? So, they have so many great players, they struggle to find places for them on the field. Get out of here. He said that. He said that. Yes. That's yes, unbelievable. It appears on in, on MyNearL.com. God bless him. That yeah, is. I saw him scrimmaging on the sideline because everybody just couldn't get in the game. <laughs> they wanted to play ball. In fact, Brian Flores has petitioned the league to be able to play 14 players because he's got too many guys. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd still be 18.5-point underdogs. All right, yes, Adam Beasley, read his work in the Miami Herald. He has written a ton of good article. Appreciate that. <laughs> See you, Bees. Slapping Bees. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny, man. I wanted to see if he had actually said they have a lot of good player. He actually said something worse. They have too many good they players. They have too many players to get them all on the field? Who exactly do you think he's talking about? He's taking a little shot at Rashad Jones not playing? Like, is that Kenyon Drake? Like, is that? It would have to be those guys where the guys he knows and respects aren't playing. Rashad played 42% of the snaps. Minko was in and out. I mean, like, that yeah. dude didn't play Malcolm Butler in a Super Bowl. Who's he, who's he to talk? He does this every week. That's crazy, man. He'll that's go to a team funny. that's 0-15. Hope, you know, they're always, they're always ready. It's that one week. You know, their players are really locked in. He, that's what he does. But it's all that's BS. to the nth degree, man. They've got so many good players, they struggle to get them all on the field. I mean, <laughs> what? God bless him. That Dolphins-Patriots game going to be a nail-biter. Hopefully. Hopefully. No matter what, you can listen to the pregame, the postgame, the whole game Sunday right here on 560 The Joe WQAM. I was actually watching Jackie Brown for the first time ever the other night. Great movie, by the way. Whenever Channing Crowder and I sit and talk, kind of reminds me of that scene. Just sitting on the couch, Samuel L. Jackson, Robert De Niro. Funny, funny stuff. Be sure to listen to those guys. They're always funny in the afternoons. Thanks for listening to the best of the Joe Show. I am Dan Day. Give me a follow on Twitter at Dan Day Radio. Plenty of more of these shows coming in the future. And you can check out some of the ones in the past on our podcast or wherever you get your podcasts, WQAM.com. Till next time, this is the best of the Joe Show. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.